WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday, October 27th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly cloudy day on the way. No rain, though, but it's going to be warm. The high, 76. Saturday, sunshine, hot, the high 81. And then on Sunday, it goes back to what should be normal fall-like temperatures. Uh, Sunday will be showers, the high just 58. And then looking ahead to next week, there's actually one day where the high is only 49, which is more fall-like again. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 54 and clear in Pearl River in Rockland County, 58 and clear in Hawthorne down in New Jersey. And it is 60 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hours and friends in the morning. We were watching this overnight. It's all cleared out now, but for a while, the number four and five subway lines were down. There was some sort of fire that broke out inside of a subway tunnel in Brooklyn Heights last night, and you had people sort of scrambling, trying to figure out how to get home or wherever they were going. I just got here! <laughs> I don't know how I... How do I get to Grand Central? I have to take an Uber to Manhattan. That's going to be like $30. Yeah, so MTA staff quickly uh, closing the entrances to a number of stations in Brooklyn, including the Court Street station. So that forced riders to reroute completely uh, their commute. I want to go home. It's too dark and we have Borough Hall and everything. So it's just I'm not trying to deal with this. This is a bummer. All right. So here's the good news is those stations now back open. Service is up and running. Of course, we'll get the latest on the commute coming up in just a moment from Joe Nolan. The other big story this morning continues to be the search for Robert Card. This is the gunman who shot and killed 18, injured 13 others at a bar in a bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine on Wednesday night. We're learning more about him. Apparently, he's a avid hunter, a deer hunter. Uh, his neighbor saying yesterday that he's capable of hiding for a long time if he doesn't want to be caught. This is a longtime friend, uh, Robert Card, 40-year-old, uh, subject of this massive manhunt that began Wednesday night. Uh, we thought by now they'd be able to find him. Uh, we're hearing this morning from some of the victims who made it out of that bowling alley and that bar alive. I never thought I'd grow up and get a bullet in my leg. Why? Like, why do people do this? Yeah, that's a young kid who took a bullet. Uh, Card, a skilled outdoorsman, trained U.S. Army Reserve marksman among the top shooters, by the way, in his unit. He enlisted in the Army in 2002, was a petroleum supply specialist uh, in Lewiston. People just kind of don't know what to do with themselves. The schools were closed there yesterday. Uh, people were told to shelter in place because they had not found this gunman there were thoughts that he had hijacked a boat or a jet ski to get out of the area again they're not clear where he is today but neighbors in lewiston unsure whether to go to work go shopping or just hunker down until card was found there's fear there's panic of course there's worry understandable i mean this is an all hands on deck situation you and me and all these people standing here we we all got a fear for our lives today nerves are rattled right now Keeping an eye on the woods and 
it's very unnerving right now. So Lewiston's a town of about 30,000 people, so people kind of know each other pretty well. They're getting help in Maine from other states to track down the mass shooter. Uh, Mike Sashach is the commissioner of the Maine Department of Public Safety. Uh, tactical teams, evidence response teams, uh, full-blown investigative units, detective units uh, that have come from multiple states, uh, whether it's the commissioners from uh, Vermont and New Hampshire reaching out to me directly, Massachusetts saying, what do you need, Mike? What can we do for the state of Maine? And we were watching these uh, officers all over Maine yesterday, uh, officials from Boston's FBI office, uh, ATF, Massachusetts state police among those who uh, f- drove into Maine over the last 24 hours. Uh, New Hampshire State Police on the ground there as well. Uh, there's a great deal of search warrants that we're following up on. We do have partners that helicopters from the New Hampshire State Police. That copter was here last night to assist us as well. Yeah, but what cops are telling us this morning, they just really do not know where Robert Card is. 18 people lost their lives and 13 people injured. In last night's attacks. That's a uh, Maine Governor Janet Mills says her administration is coordinating with local, regional, and federal authorities to respond to this all. Law enforcement officers, in the face of danger, responded swiftly, selflessly, and with great bravery. Maine State Police have issued a shelter-in-place order for Lewiston. Lisbon and Bowden. All right, so all the politicians weighing in on this. Uh, Maine's uh, Senator Angus King calling it a dark day in his state after this shooting. It's just been awful. We've got schools closed, colleges locked down, and the manhunt has expanded. Yeah, so Maine actually has one of the highest rates of gun ownerships uh, in the nation, but has the one of the lowest gun crime rates. And that's part of the reason why this mass shooting is so shocking. Maine has one of the highest rates of gun ownership. Oh, I think I just said that. Here's more from him. As long as this fellow is at large, we're still in a lockdown, fearful situation, and we need to get on to grieving. So as of last night, 12 victims who died in the shootings have been identified, plus a few that were wounded. And it just, you know, just horrendous. Uh, you have a 76-year-old Bob Violet. He was a longtime children's bowling instructor, was working with a youth league on Wednesday night when the shooter walked into the bowling alley. He was killed. The uh, bar manager uh, in this bar, he tried to stop the gunman. Uh, Joseph Walker, he was shot and killed as he tried to do that, died a hero. Uh, yet 53-year-old Trisha Aslan, who worked part-time in this bowling alley, but was actually off on Wednesday night, but was there uh, with a group of deaf kids uh, in a bowling league just trying to help out when she was gunned down. It just One story is more awful than the next. Uh, Bill Young and his 14-year-old son Aaron were fatally shot as they were out in the bowling league on Wednesday night, and the list just goes on and on, unfortunately. Um, but um, 18 in all, Robert Card still on the loose. Of course, keep it here, 77 WABC. As more information comes into the newsroom, we will pass it on to you. WABC News Time 509. The NYPD, the mayor, yesterday holding this press conference right after this mass shooting in Maine. Police Commissioner Eddie Caban says the department distributing photos of Robert called uh, Card to all uniformed officers. I guess there's some thought that maybe he could escape to New York. We also made the decision to dispatch investigators to Lewistown, both to gather information as quickly as possible and to offer any support. 
Lewiston is approximately five hours away from New York City by car. So the NYPD deploying 900 officers to sensitive locations throughout the city out of an abundance of caution yesterday. We have a level four activation going on in New York City. That's over 900 cops mobilized. We split the city into two parts, and those police officers will, will, will be deployed to high sensitive locations. No doubt, if you were out and about Midtown, you would have saw it was beefed up yesterday. We urge all New Yorkers to continue to go about your business, uh, but to remain alert to your surroundings. And we've been saying this for a, a while now. If you see anything concerning, please don't hesitate. Please reach out. And down in Washington, the White House uh, responding to this mass shooting yesterday says more needs to be done to address what they call the epidemic of gun violence across the country. This is not normal. We cannot accept this. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there speaking on the mass shooting to reporters yesterday. It's within Congress's power to pass legislation that will make our streets safer, that will make our community safer, that will make our schools safer. Jean-Pierre then uh, calling on the newly elected House Speaker Mike Johnson to work with Democrats to pass what she calls sensible gun reform legislation. Let's work together to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Let's work together to enact universal background checks. 5-11. Big moment overseas. The U.S. has hit a bunch of facilities in eastern Syria used by Iran in what it says are self-defense strikes. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin saying in a statement that President Bi- at President Biden's direction, the strikes were carried out as a response to a series of attacks on U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria by Iranian-backed militia groups. The statement went on to say the U.S. does not see conflict and does not intend to engage any further. We know that these groups are uh, affiliated with Iran. Yeah, so watching some of this, I'm sure we'll get more information as the morning wears on. That as the Israel Defense Forces deployed tanks and soldiers into the Gaza Strip overnight on Thursday to carry out a second targeted raid in as many days. The incursion included infantry combat engineering and armed forces, along with drones and combat helicopters providing cover. This all according to the IDF. Additionally, artillery and airstrikes targeted Hamas terror assets, including command centers and anti-tank missile launch sites. And, uh, of course, lots of people saying, OK, maybe this is just the beginning of this ground war. There are 300,000 reservists that have been called up in Israel, many of them along the southern border near Gaza, waiting for the green light to go in. That as the families of the hostages continue to speak out, the thought is some 220 hostages taken from Israel into Gaza on October 7th during that horrendous day for Israel. Some of them Americans, maybe up to 10 of them. The families of these hostages taking their stories to Capitol Hill yesterday, seeing if Washington can somehow intervene to get their loved ones out. We live in this bizarre universe of not knowing if our loved one is alive, dead, being taken care of, what did he eat? Where did he sleep? That's New York City native Ruby Chen, who says uh, lawmakers should do everything they can to help secure the release of his 19-year-old son and the other hostages. Chen's son abducted by Hamas during the group's deadly ambush. He was a soldier with the Israel Defense Forces. Uh, Maryland Congressman Steny Hoyer telling the families yesterday that Congress is committed to bringing those hostages home. We demand all of the international community put at its highest agenda 
bringing the hostages back home. Yeah. So there are these backroom negotiations. The U.S. not necessarily involved in them, but um, Egypt trying to help secure the release of some of these hostages. Uh, four, of course, have been released so far, but that leaves a lot more who uh, the thought is some of them are dead. Hamas saying that 50 of those hostages are dead from Israeli strikes in Gaza over the last two weeks. Don't know if that information is true. Can't confirm it. And that the rest Israel believes are alive. Republicans. Democrats across the board in leaving no hostage behind. Yeah, okay. And then this hall playing out continues to in the streets of the U.S. Uh, people taking sides, pro-Palestinian, pro-Israel. In Northern California City, the first U.S. city to officially express its support for Palestinians in Gaza. There was this hours-long debate in the Richmond City Council. This is Northern California. They passed a pro-Palestinian resolution accusing Israel of ethnic cleansing and collective punishment. I'm proud to live in a city that stands up and says, no more, not in our name, the violence must stop. So you can imagine this was a very contested city council meeting. Community members spoke both in favor and against this resolution. Only one council member voted against it saying that while he supports a free Palestine, the resolution should have focused on bringing both Palestinian and Israeli communities together. The United States government must call for a ceasefire and use its influence with Israel and the international community to negotiate an end to the killing, the safe return of the hostages, and end to the apartheid regime imposed by Israel on the Palestinian people. So the Jewish community pushing back against this say these kinds of resolutions will lead to a rise in attacks against Jews. I'm ashamed of my city, and I'm afraid, and I'm scared scared and you have put me in this situation and i'm calling you to immediately reject this inflammatory resolution but critics are uh, calling the resolution one-sided this resolution is hypocritical and the double standard that you wish to judge israel by is irresponsible immoral and the reason anti-semitism is rising in this country but that resolution passing last night all right, 515, let's head over to the 77 wabc sports desk where we find ken Connolly. Good morning, Gnome. Starting on the ice, the Islanders beat the Senators 3-2 at UBS last night. Noah Dobson's slap shot goal early in the third period proved to be the game winner. MSG Network picked up the action. Giroux couldn't get the shot away, so he went behind his back. Now the Sens in a change. Almost too many men. Barzell on the rush. Dobson scores! As for the Rangers, they blanked the Oilers 3-0 in Edmonton. Jonathan Quick earned a 29-save shutout. On the hardwood, the Knicks are in Atlanta tonight to take on the Hawks. That's a 7.30 tip-off. And the Nets are in Dallas to play the Mavericks. That's an 8.30 tip. Thursday night football action. The Bills beat the Buccaneers 24-18 last night to improve to 5-3 on the season. Josh Allen threw for 324 yards, had two passing touchdowns, and one rushing. The Giants will host the Jets in the Battle of New York at MetLife on Sunday. That's a 1 p.m. kickoff. Game 1 of the World Series between the Diamondbacks and the Rangers is tonight in Arlington. First pitch, 8.03. Zach Gallen takes the hill for Arizona, and Nathan Avaldi will take the ball for Texas. Here with your sports update, I'm Ken Connolly on Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC News Time 518. Let's go down to D.C. The newly elected Speaker of the House was at the White House yesterday. We invited him to a bipartisan briefing with leadership and relevant uh, committee chairs and ranking members. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there says Mike Johnson invited to get a briefing on President Biden. 
Biden's supplemental request. The president requesting more than $100 billion for a national security package that includes funding for Ukraine, Israel, and the southern border. On the president's supplemental uh, national security, obviously, package. The uh, top Democrat in the House, meanwhile, says Republicans need to take the threat of a government shutdown off the table now, now that there's a House speaker. There is zero reason to ever shut down the government. By the way, they spent the last few weeks shutting down the House because they couldn't get out of their own GOP civil war. Hopefully that's over. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries there telling reporters the newly elected speaker, Mike Johnson, needs to work to pass government funding and some other priorities. The only reason it has occurred in the past is because my House Republican colleagues have decided that they want to try to jam their reckless right wing ideology down the throats of the American people. And then while we're in Washington, new poll out, not good news for President Biden. His approval rating among Democrats is at rock bottom today. A Gallup poll shows that 75 percent of Democratic respondents approve of the job that Biden is doing in the White House. That's down 11 points from last month. Meanwhile, 35 percent of independent voters said that they approved of Biden's work. That's down four percentage points from September. The poll released two weeks after Hamas' initial attack against Israel, to which the Biden administration joined Western allies to signal support for Israel. I'm Mark Mayfield. 520 up to Buffalo, where police investigate after a Thursday morning highway shooting left one city worker dead, two others wounded. Buffalo's mayor, Byron Brown, says several shots fired at on-duty workers inside a Buffalo Sewer Authority truck on I-90. Who could have even imagined that something like this would happen to three sewer authority employees as they are at work doing the right thing, doing the people's business. This has to stop. Yes, yeah, so we're not getting a whole lot of details on this. city has not named the victims, identified a gunman. We believe this is an isolated incident. We believe that there is no threat at all to the public. We are actively in the process of figuring out who did this and finding them and bring them to justice. Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown calling it all just a terrible tragedy. Three people went to work, were working, uh, did their jobs, and uh, their lives are altered forever. And one had their life taken. 521, Pfizer and Biotech are beginning a phase three trial now for the combined flu and COVID vaccine. The pharmaceutical company reported positive results from its phase one and two study. The previous trials were meant to look at whether the new shots are safe and effective. Pfizer said the phase three trial will look for any potential side effects and will begin in the coming months. An official for the company said they were encouraged by the results. I'm Brian Shook. Let's bring it back here to New York. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand calling attention to her bipartisan legislation. It aims to expedite provisional FDA approval of drugs that treat life-threatening diseases. You don't have to sacrifice the safety and efficacy of the FDA approval process for rare disease patients to access promising therapeutics. Yes, yeah, so she gathered uh, yesterday a bunch of other lawmakers and people suffering from diseases to talk about what's called the Promising Pathway Act. It's devastating to learn you have terminal illness with only a few years to live. The Promising Pathway Act is a ray of hope 
for those diagnosed with rare terminal diseases. Democrats says the standard FDA approval process takes years to get drugs to market, but patients with fast-progressing serious illnesses, of course, can't wait. Her bill would open up the door to provisional approval for treating diseases, including ALS, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's. Houston Astros manager Dusty Baker, as we told you earlier this week, is retiring, and he's now actually opening up and speaking out about it. Probably the quickest four years I've ever spent in my life. But that's what happens when you're winning. Yeah, fun manager to watch. Enjoyed a 26-year career as a big lead manager. His career, of course, highlighted by a World Series win last season. The Astros came close again this season, alluding to, of course, the Rangers and the American League Championship Series. I hope that, you know, we're in better shape uh, now than when I got here. Uh, even though we were in great shape then. He was a pretty good baseball player when he played for the uh, Dodgers back in the day. Now he says he's done with baseball because he's just got more living to do. I still feel like I haven't done what I'm supposed to do in life, so I feel the Lord has some great things ahead for me. Baker is only the 12th manager to reach 2,000 wins. 524, luxury German automaker Mercedes-Benz has reported a fall in profit in revenues. In Berlin, correspondent Trent Murray says the German-based firm blaming stiff competition in its electric vehicle segment for the drop in sales. Mercedes-Benz reported its third quarter net profit fell by 7% to 3.7 billion euros down from last year's 4 billion in the same period. Earnings before interest and taxes reached 4.84 billion euros, again down 7% from the same time last year. The company blamed a subdued market environment and intense pricing competition among luxury EVs. Trent Murray Berlin. WABC News Time 524, the FDA, issuing a safety advisory over a potentially contaminated batch of oysters. All right. They were harvested earlier this month and sold in Florida, Massachusetts, Maryland, Maine, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency found salmonella and E. coli in the oysters. The company Future Seafoods has not issued a recall yet, but the FDA is urging restaurants to get rid of the oysters. I'm Brian Shook. And more than half of Americans say they're struggling now to pay for health care in a way they never have before. A new Commonwealth Fund survey shows that health care is unaffordable for many working age adults, even those with employee-sponsored insurance. Of those who purchased insurance on their own, including on the Affordable Care Act marketplaces, 57% said they had difficulty paying for health care this year. The survey found that costs are forcing many to skip medical care altogether, with almost 40% saying they opted out of needed medical care or prescription drugs over the past year because they couldn't afford it. I'm Mark Mayfield. All right, the trading week winding down on Wall Street after stocks close lower yesterday. This comes as investors haven't been too impressed with earnings from big tech companies so far. At the closing bell yesterday, the Dow lost 251. S&P 500 fell by 49. NASDAQ dropped 225 points. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, October 27th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A mostly cloudy day on the way, but it's going to be warm. The high 76. Saturday, 
sunshine, downright hot, the high 81, especially for the fall. And then Sunday, we come back to reality, showers, the high just 58. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 54 and clear up in Pearl River in Rockland County, 58 and clear in Hawthorne down in New Jersey, and it is 60 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour right here in Manhattan in this mystery that has just not been solved. It's been nearly a week since a teenager went missing. Actually, it is a week today. It's been a week since a teenager went missing in the East River, and his parents are demanding answers about his whereabouts. The NYPD out again yesterday in the East River looking for 13-year-old Cavian Brown, who was last seen in the water Friday afternoon. Apparently, his basketball team, uh, they entered the river near 6th Street. This is according to eyewitnesses. And uh, Cavian Brown started struggling in the water. He's a big kid, 6 feet tall, wears uh, size 15 shoes, could dunk the ball at 13 years old. And um, the currents are so incredibly strong in the East River. Same for the Hudson, by the way. You never want to try swimming in there. But um, the parents think maybe he was dared to do so. Either way, surprisingly, they have not found his body yet. Usually when you have stories like this, as awful as they are, they quickly find the bodies. But the patrol's back out there yesterday. And his family, uh, they want more details on this because they say it was... Cavion's basketball coach who invited the team to go see a soccer game on the East River and that's when he went missing in the river. Bring him home because we miss him and we love him. Find my son. I don't want them to give up the search. I know he's out there and I just want you guys to help me find my baby because I need him. The parents say a man called them identifying himself as the basketball coach, asking permission for their teenager to attend this Lower East Side prep soccer game. But the student went to the river with other teens, apparently without adult supervision. So now they've hired Sanford Rubenstein to get to the bottom of this because they say the school system hasn't told them a whole lot about what took place. The first question this family wants an answer to is, was there a responsibility on the Department of Education, which was breached, we will conduct an investigation with regard to that issue. So you can imagine the family's just devastated. The missing boy's younger brothers, he was the oldest, 11, 9, and 5, just heartbroken. They want answers. Uh, Mom and dad uh, holding this press conference yesterday, hoping it'll pressure whoever needs to be pressured to help find their kid. My son was supposed to be be escorted to a soccer game by his basketball coach. I did speak to him. He didn't have no answers for me. So he told me, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. They have a lot of questions, and I try to not say too much because I know they're going to be so torn. So it's it's hard. And I, I have faith. I'm hoping. She's talking about telling her kids about what took place. The family's actually received a ton of donations, and they say they're using that, or using that money to expand the desperate search for Cavian. Out to Jersey City, a Jersey City family filing a lawsuit against Panera Bread after their daughter died from cardiac arrest allegedly caused by a drink that the restaurant sells. 21-year-old Sarah Katz died last year, according to this lawsuit filed by her parents this week. Panera Bread changed lemonades, causing this woman to go into cardiac arrest. She drank it, had it in her apartment, 
And then she ended up meeting her friends actually at a restaurant that was in her apartment that evening. And that's where she collapsed. That's Elizabeth Crawford. She's the Katz family lawyer. At the age of five, the University of Pennsylvania student was diagnosed with a heart condition known as long QT type one. It disrupts heart function and causes an irregular heartbeat. And because of her condition, Katz was on medication. She also limited caffeine intake and stayed away from energy drinks. Well, this lawsuit alleges Panera Bread did not advertise the lemonade as an energy drink. Instead, it was labeled as a clean plant-based drink containing as much caffeine as a cup of coffee, which uh, they say Katz was allowed to have even with her condition. Energy drinks are different from just your average coffee or just caffeine because they often contain really high levels of caffeine. And so apparently this large lemonade that Katz bought was uh, and then drank had the equivalent of three energy drinks inside, just a dangerous amount for someone with an underlying heart condition. And again, the family says there was nothing labeled on the drink to suggest that it had such a high caffeine content. And that's why they say they're going after Panera today. When it came to the parents' attention that she had had that drink, they started investigating the drink. And that's when they discovered that the drink had 390 milligrams of caffeine. If you have only one, they started talking to cardiologists and found out that, yeah, this is the type of thing that would have caused her death. Now, Panera has put out a statement. I'll read it to you at Panera. They say we strongly believe in transparency around our ingredients. And they say they'll work to quickly, thoroughly investigate this matter. The Katz family and their attorney want the restaurant to be held accountable and to either remove the drink or have proper warnings on it. WABC News Time 539 out to New Jersey, where the New Jersey Turnpike Garden State Parkway announced this week that they're going to raise tolls for the fourth time in four years. And now New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy slamming the brakes on those toll hikes. Um, and I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that there's an election coming up in less than a week and a half for all the state assembly and Senate seats. Murphy sharing on social media that he's vetoing the New Jersey Turnpike's proposed budget passed this week, which came with toll hikes for the Garden State. Murphy saying he's not satisfied with the justification provided for the hikes. Top Democratic lawmakers had called on Murphy to stop the 3% highway toll hikes slated to begin January 1st. Applying to both the Garden State Parkway and Jersey Turnpike, they would have been the fourth increase in as many years. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. While we're talking about Governor Murphy, he's not a big fan of the South Orange Maplewood School District's announcement this week that no Halloween celebrations would take place during school hours. The district making the announcement, they said they were doing away with costumes in school, which they say would further the district's commitment to equity and inclusion among students. I guess there's a thought that maybe some kids wouldn't be able to afford to buy a costume. Of course, when we were kids, we just made them, right? But they had the district's change in practices, they say, helps ensure that all students and families are able to join together in celebrating now what they'll call the fall season celebration. So no Halloween for kids in the South Orange Maplewood School. So Governor Murphy was asked about this on News 12 last night, and here's his response to no Halloween in Maplewood. I don't make light of the equity and inclusion issues that I think that was somehow 
in, in their rationale. But of all, please, God, given the world we're in right now, can we please just let our kids have fun? Yeah, it does seem a little silly. School officials say that Halloween events can take place outside of school hours. Well, thank you for letting us do that. Moves to expel New York Republican George Santos from Congress underway. Resolution introduced by Santos's fellow Long Island Republican lawmakers, Congressman Anthony D. Esposito. The resolution comes as Santos is due in federal courtroom in central Iceland today for several charges in connection to his campaign, including fraud and identity theft. He previously pled not guilty to more than a dozen other federal counts. Republicans have called on Santos to resign since they found out that he lied on his resume. You'll remember when he was running about all kinds of things. Uh, he says he's not going anywhere and he's done no wrong. Uh, so Republicans will have to hopefully get this through if they want to get him out, this uh, this resolution to boot him from Congress. But it's not clear there's enough support to make that happen. 542, let's bring it back here into the city, this awful story out of Brooklyn, we're getting more details about it. A seven-year-old dead after being hit by an NYPD tow truck in Brooklyn as he and his mom were on their way to school yesterday. There were a lot of eyewitnesses to this hit who are speaking out today. When I looked down at her and she said he killed, they killed my baby, by the time I got there, it was like I was devastated. A seven-year-old kid from this community lost his life because of carelessness. NYPD Chief of Department Jeffrey Madry says the seven-year-old boy was hit around 8 a.m. This was Myrtle in North Portland Avenues in Fort Greene. The driver stayed at the scene. My heart goes out to the family of that young boy and his mother and his school, his teachers who were also on the scene. Very tough scene to be at this morning. So the department tow truck was apparently turning onto the street while the boy was crossing the road with his mother. Eyewitnesses say the boy and his mom definitely had the right of way. He was on a scooter. His mom was walking maybe just a tiny bit ahead of him. I just can't believe he had the right of way. It said walk. He was able to walk. She was right there in front of him. He's scooting and the tow truck should have just slowed down. So the driver did stay at the scene. The police say what happened remains an active investigation this morning. That was uh, my old precinct, the 88 precinct. I know the area very well, and no parent wants to start their day uh, losing a loved one to any form of uh, incident. Of course, that's Mayor Adams from yesterday. 543. One New York City council member calling on the president of Cooper Union to step down now. Councilwoman Ina Vernikoff says the school failed to protect Jewish students on Wednesday when a group of pro-Palestinian demonstrators chanted Free Palestine and banged on locked doors, forcing the group of Jewish students to take shelter in the library. Some of them were shaken, shaken to their core. Yes, the NYPD was there. We don't know when they arrived. The school did not allow uniformed police officers to enter the building. And the students who were in the library who say they were really scared, calling, uh, they've uh, hired a lawyer, by the way, and they're calling on the city to press charges against these protesters who were involved. It is their job to protect Jewish students. Could you imagine this happening to any other ethnic minority in New York City? Could you imagine that Jewish students are afraid to come out to a press conference outside? 
Yeah, we've been hearing that from students at NYU in Columbia. Some who say they're no longer wearing a kippah, a yarmulke. Some others say they normally wear a Jewish star around their neck. They've taken it off until things simmered down. And the NYPD now going to have uniform officers at all colleges and universities in the city with tensions high over this war between Israel and Hamas. When there is a protest at a school, we have, we have resources on site. We have resources off site. And we were working well at the school, so we're going to continue to do that. Yeah, and then they'll have police, of course, protecting everybody involved in these protests, which continue. For about roughly 10 minutes, approximately 10 minutes, they were banging on the doors of the library and banging on some uh, transparent windows that you can see into the library. From that point, the protest is left. Yeah, they don't think that these people were really in any danger, but the people inside the library said they felt threatened for sure. Uh, police, of course, have made a lot of protests, or rather arrests at these protests over the last two weeks. We've had roughly 110 protests over the last 19 days, encompassing roughly uh, 70,000 rallies, protesters. That's a crazy number, 110, and it's been, what, two weeks since that deadly invasion, uh, that savage murder of Israelis in uh, over the right at the Gaza border. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Ken Connolly. Good morning, Noam. Starting on the ice, the Islanders beat the Senators 3-2 to at UBS last night. Noah Dobson's slap shot goal early in the third period proved to be the game winner. MSG Network picked up the action. Giroux couldn't get the shot away, so he went behind his back. Now the Sens in a change. Almost too many men. Barzell on the rush. Dobson scores! Oh, he got all of that one. It's 3-2 New York. As for the Rangers, they blanked the Oilers 3-0 in Edmonton. Jonathan Quick earned a 29-save shutout. On the hardwood, the Knicks are in Atlanta tonight to take on the Hawks. That's a 7.30 tip-off. And the Nets are in Dallas to play the Mavericks. That's an 8.30 tip. Thursday night football action. The Bills beat the Buccaneers 24-18 last night to improve to 5-3 on the season. Josh Allen threw for 324 yards, had two passing touchdowns, and one rushing. The Giants will host the Jets in the Battle of New York at MetLife on Sunday. That's a 1 p.m. kickoff. Game one of the World Series between the Diamondbacks and the Rangers is tonight in Arlington. First pitch, 8.03. Zach Gallen takes the hill for Arizona, and Nathan Avaldi will take the ball for Texas. Here with your sports update, I'm Ken Connolly on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. The biggest one continues to be the search for 40-year-old Robert Card, the man who's behind the deaths of 18 people, 13 others wounded, at two sites, a bar and a bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine, that's taking place Wednesday night. They can't find this 40-year-old. There's just a massive manhunt. We're hearing from some of the victims this morning for the first time. Here's one of the youngest ones, a kid who took a bullet. She was at the bowling alley at a bowling party. I never thought I'd grow up and get a bullet in my leg. Why? Like, why do people do this? Yeah, well, she has an excellent question. Thank God she's okay. Card, a skilled outdoorsman, a trained U.S. Army Reserve marksman, was one among the top shooters in his unit. He enlisted in the Army in 2002 as a petroleum supply specialist. Uh, neighbors in Lewiston, unsure what to do today because he's still on the loose. Should they go to work 
Uh, should they send their kids to school? Schools were closed yesterday. Is it okay to go shopping? A lot of people saying they're just hunkering down until card is captured. There's fear. There's panic. Of course, there's worry. Understandable. I mean, this is an all-hands-on-deck situation. You and me and all these people standing here, we, we all got a fear for our lives today. Nerves are rattled right now. Keeping an eye on the woods and... It's very unnerving right now. So there were some thoughts maybe he raced off to Massachusetts nearby. Other thoughts maybe he had stolen a boat, was out at in the water. Uh, so far, they have not. none of those theories have really worked into anything. But my guess, if I had to guess, if you ask me, I, my guess is he killed himself and just a matter of tracking him down. Uh, Maine uh, is getting help from states, other states, um, tracking down this suspect. Even uh, police officers from New York are up in Maine today helping in the hunt for card uh, tactical teams evidence response teams uh, full-blown investigative units detective units uh, that have come from multiple states uh, whether it's the commissioners from uh, Vermont and New Hampshire reaching out to me directly Massachusetts saying what do you need Mike what can we do for the state of Maine yeah Boston's FBI office involved yesterday the ATF Massachusetts State Police uh, there's a great deal of search warrants that we're following up on we do have partners that helicopters from the New Hampshire State Police that copter was here last night to assist us as well. And then Maine Governor Janet Mill also holding a press conference yesterday talking about everything that had taken place. 18 people lost their lives and 13 people injured in last night's attacks. Yeah, Maine's not used to seeing this kind of mass shooting. These law enforcement officers, in the face of danger, responded swiftly, selflessly. And with great bravery. So here's what we know. Robert Card, assuming he's alive, armed and dangerous. Uh, they're telling people if they see this guy, this picture, of course, is everywhere today, not to approach him, just to call the cops. Maine State Police have issued a shelter-in-place order for Lewiston, Lisbon, and Bowdoin. Yeah, so some of those people, or a lot of them, are following that shelter in place. Not sure we'll see what happens today. Maine Senator Angus King calling it a dark day in a state. Uh, here is what he had to say during a press conference yesterday. It's just been awful. We've got schools closed, colleges locked down, and the manhunt has expanded. So Maine has one of the highest rates of gun ownership in the nation, but one of the lowest gun crime rates. That's part of the reason why people are so shocked by this. As long as this fellow is at large, we're still in a lockdown, fearful situation, and we need to get on to grieving. Yeah, so... As of late last night, 12 of the victims who were killed in this shooting were identified, and it's just, it's just awful. It always is. Uh, one of them, a 76-year-old Bob Violet, a longtime children's bowling instructor, was working with the youth league at the time when Card woke in with uh, his semi-automatic and shot at everybody in the bowling alley. Another one, uh, a bar manager, Joseph Walker, died trying to stop the gunman, now being hailed as a hero. Uh, Trisha Aslan, you know, these are one of these things, wrong place, wrong time. She actually worked at the bowling alley, had the night off on Wednesday night, but had come back to help with a group of deaf kids who were involved in a bowling link. She was shot and killed. Then you have uh, Bill Young and his 14-year-old son, Aaron. They were both fatally shot as they were out just for a night of bowling. And the list just goes on and on. Uh uh, awful, awful, awful. But again, the big story continues to be that Robert Card is on the loose this morning. Of course, as more details come into the newsroom, we will pass them on to you. 14 years old, huh? Yeah. 
See, my fear was because it was at the bowling alley and there was a little kid's birthday party. That's right. Was there be more dead kids? We don't know that right now. That's the only uh, young person I've heard so far. Yeah, just 12 of the victims of the 18 have been released. I imagine we'll hear about the rest of them today. Wow. Yeah. All right, we'll get more into this on, on our show, too. So, I mean, there's a, uh, a pretty good fear right now from the general public. They're not going to find this guy for a while, which we don't care if he's, you know, in the woods somewhere just kind of held up till he decides to off himself. That's one thing. I don't think there's any real concern about him going back into neighboring towns and doing this again, is there? They just don't know. Yeah. I mean, for a while they thought that police, he was following police radio, and that's how he was able to escape, figure out where they were going and move. Yeah. But he also could be dead. Maybe he killed himself. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, his sister-in-law comes out yesterday and says, and I quote, he's the nicest, warm-hearted man you'll ever meet. He's had a couple of rough months. Are you serious? couple of rough months, and supposedly he went into those uh, two places and he heard people saying bad things about him. So he went to his sister-in-law and he said, you know, I go into the bowling alley, I go to this bar, they talk bad things about me, and I'm pissed. And she said, Robert, Robert, calm down. No one's talking about you So because he's paranoid. He's a paranoid schizophrenic. Right. So as soon as the sister-in-law heard on the news there were shootings at these two specific places... She called her husband, Robert Cart's brother, and said, oh, my God, something tells me this is Robert, because he had been complaining about those two specific places for a month. How frightening is that? Unbelievable. But she couldn't have done anything to prevent it. I mean, if no, somebody... no, of course not. I'm just saying yeah. I, I don't want to hear that he's the Swedish nicest. No. He's had a couple of rough months. I mean, he just shot. I know a lot of crazy people. I'm familiar with crazy people. They don't kill. This idea that... You should be sympathetic because he's crazy. Not every crazy person kills. Do yourself a favor. Kill yourself, not a 14-year-old kid yeah. in a bowling alley. Well, that's always the case. Turn the gun on yourself if you're going to do something like this. But they never do, unfortunately. They're all cowards. Let's leave on a much happier note. A police inspector in Queens who loves scary things in Halloween, using the season as an opportunity to give back to his community in Queens by creating what he calls one of the scariest haunted houses around. Frank D. Giacomo is a police inspector by day and creator of a Frankenstein castle by night. He loves Halloween so much that he conjures up the entire Halloween madhouse every year. This is the eighth year running that he's run this thing he pays for the whole thing himself <laughs> the nypd does a lot of things for little kids this is for older kids we're really trying to scare you all right so he says the um first floor of this house is tame it's his house by the way he says the second floor is where it gets really extreme for the kids the first floor is very scary but then on the second floor, we make it extreme. Okay, uh, there are haunted horsemen outside and inside. You never know what lurks. So uh, we were watching as kids came out of this haunted house yesterday, and here's how they rated it. I, I loved it, though, but it was so scary. It was exciting. <laughs> it was a fun experience. I almost peed my pants. <laughs> okay, nice job done by the officer there.